I'm Aysan, and this is the Bayern Munich preview podcast on the 9320 player. City take a 3-0 lead. It was 3-0, wasn't it, Howard? I'm I'm not I didn't dream that. It was, yes. Lovely. City take a 3-0 lead to Munich for the return leg tomorrow evening. And joining me, as you just heard, to talk about said return leg and also to talk about various little things that are floating around the ether of Manchester City. I have got the indomitable Mr. Howard Hocking. Morning, Howard. Morning. I don't know what that means, but sounds good. So. I don't know what it means either. I just I like to use words that I don't really know the meaning of. Um, it's always fun to check the dictionary afterwards and see if I use them in the correct context. So yeah. I'll be uh, I'll be doing that at the end of this pod. Um, but how are you doing otherwise? Not bad, not bad at all. Sun's out. It's Tuesday. Already uh, thinking about tomorrow night. Probably not a good thing. But I really like I really like watching other Champions League stuff. Same. You know what I mean? When it's just absolutely not if it goes badly, like if it's Liverpool mm. and you know the Liverpool of old, and they're about to go through against Barcelona or something, and I'm not enjoying that. But I I love the early season group stages because the goals show on BT is one of the you know the best shows they do, and I just like it when yeah Chelsea Real Madrid tonight just be nice to sit down and just see what happens really because I can see the pluses and negatives of either getting through. I very much doubt Chelsea will anyway. Uh, and I could just sit down and watch other Champions League stuff. The calm before the storm. I, I really mm. like that, to be honest. So, I'm uh, I'm actually more looking forward to AC Milan-Napoli, which I, or Napoli-AC Milan, yeah. which I, I think will be a, a cracking game. Um, can, can I tell a funny story? Because it literally happened an hour ago. Um, I went to buy coffee from my local cafe and the fella who works there in the mornings is a huge Napoli supporter. So we got chatting about the game tonight and Victor uh, Os, Os, Osman? That's it. Victor, yeah. yeah, Victor Osman. So we got chatting about all of these things and then he goes, um, you know Robert Perez lives around here? And I went, I do actually because I'd, I'd heard that Perez... Uh, lives on the island with his with his family and he goes so Perez was in here yesterday and I went oh yeah and he goes well I always chat to him um about football and he knows that I'm a Napoli fan so yesterday morning he called me over and then he goes watch this and he opened his phone and he called Olivier Giroud because obviously Giroud plays for AC Milan and then goes I'm about to hand my phone to my friend who's a Napoli fan and then handed it to my mate in the uh in the cafe so wow. my mate go this morning he goes I, I had a little chat with Giroud yesterday and, and told him that he must lose tonight <laughs> which really <laughs> made me chuckle anyway yeah I'm looking forward to that game oh yeah you've put doubt in my mind now so the thing is I watch on an app that's got like a minute delay so if I know a goal goes in I can just switch to do the game anyway so mm. uh, but yeah you're right it depends how they go the games don't I mean if Madrid score first goal at Stamford Bridge I might just watch the other one Mate, Ch- Chelsea are. Uh, have you read the stories about Todd Bowley going into the dressing room and giving them all a dressing down? Yeah. Uh, on after the game at the weekend, that's not that's not going to end well, in my opinion. <laughs> Imagine I, as I, a player, I mean, yeah. telling you about football. It's like, well, you caused all this, mate. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, he singled one of the players out, which everybody is assuming is is uh, Raz. Uh, but apparently, he singled one of the players out and basically said, you know. 
not good enough from you. You're a senior player. Wow. All that sort of stuff. And I just think that that's really bad. I think that if the owners have gone into the dressing room, it's one thing to generally have a go at all the squad. Um, but to then begin to single players out and point at them and go, this is, you know, part of this is on you. That's really terrible. It's so fucking amateurish, isn't it? It's like... Yeah. Sort of thing that would happen at City in the 1980s or something, you know. <laughs> I, I don't think that even happened at City well, in the 1980s, to be honest. It's just, you don't run a club like that. You don't. It's, it is. It's like one of the old the things you'd read 30 years ago about chairman wandering in and shouting at people. And it's like, well, you're Chelsea in 2023. You've just spent £600 million. This is not how you run a football club. No. But I, I guess that I, I don't really, you know, I don't really subscribe to the. Uh, to the idea that football clubs are run by intelligent men. On the contrary, I think that the amount of money that kind of swills around the Premier League almost allows for a lot of the amateurish behaviour that goes on around the league because there's so much money that you're making without having really to do anything else that you can get away with a lot. So, But yeah, yeah I'll take your point. I mean, they've taken it... They it's they seem to have taken it to a new level in terms of the spending. I I don't really have a problem with like if you want to buy loads of new footballers, fine, go and buy loads of new footballers. I'm I'm almost okay with the idea that you sat Graham Potter as well because personally, as much as I rate Potter, I think there came a point um, in the last kind of four to six weeks where if I was a supporter, my bigger worry wouldn't be whether you're good enough or not, or whether you've been given enough time or not, more the idea that I'm not seeing anything that suggests that this uh, car is going in the right direction. You mm. would expect after seven or eight or nine months to begin to feel like the team is, is beginning to develop something approaching an identity. And I, I made, around the time that he got sacked, I made the point that, well, look, if they'd have hired Luis Enrique or Pochettino, back when Tuchel went in September, I don't believe that right now Chelsea would be the identityless mess that they were in. Mm. So I do think that a lot of it was on Potter. But I just, I, and I find this, and maybe, maybe you'll have a different view on it, so I'm going to ask this to you as a question. I find it really weird how clubs like Chelsea and Spurs continually sack managers and then write the rest of the season off, yeah, and bring an interim in and don't hire a permanent coach until well into the summer. Wow. Like, what's stopping you just going and hiring a coach now? Remember the furore when, uh, obviously, City did their groundwork with Mancini before they got rid of Hughes? Mm. That's what any sane club does. What Any well-run club sources a replacement before getting rid of a manager. There was zero point in sacking Potter to then put Lampard in until the end of the I season. I mean, oh, it's horrendous. Apart from James Corden seems to now be running the club. So, <laughs> oh, what a sporting director! He'll be in yeah. the yeah changing room soon, being his usual uh, charming self, no doubt. Yeah. There was no point to that. You you source a replacement first. I mean. Yeah. What, and also, what was the advantage so of getting rid of Potter? The seasons, yeah. they, they've obviously taken a gamble that somewhat they can get through the Champions League with someone different. Mm. But 
how uh, how blinkered can you be to think Lampard's that guy? But hey, yeah. might prove us wrong tonight with an inspired uh, performance. But he's come in and they've lost three games. And they look even worse now. The, even that's worse. That's the key thing. They look even worse. And I think the, the thing that kind of clinches it for me on the, uh, on the Chelsea thing is just that it's not... Like, I understand if there's no managers available, right? And then you kind of go, all right, well, we're going to have to wait till the summer because this guy is good because like for example Ten Hag where he was the Ajax coach and for United it was a case of we're never getting him out of Ajax in the middle of a season because mm. he's got too much respect for them but everybody that Chelsea are interviewing is out of a out of a job so if they're out of a job how have you not managed to and I mean yeah it's it's very bad they've had it's a run up at this bad. yeah <laughs> it's exactly Exactly. It's just, it's wild. And also, it's the last thing on this. I could just, if I was a player in that Chelsea dressing room, yeah, apparently Bowley went in and, and said something like, you know, I didn't spend 700 million to, to, to see embarrassing performances like that. If I was one of those players, I'd have been like, you should have bought a number nine then, you idiots. Do you know what I mean? I'm surprised just... someone didn't, you know, break character, so to speak. Well, I think there's the got fact... to be at least one gobby person in there go, that goes f off. Yeah, <laughs> this is no, on but you. I think the, the fact that it's leaked to the press, I think that's that's generally how players deal with stuff like that because I don't think you can. Yeah, w- whether it's the manager or the 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 owner, it's very difficult to have a go back in a dressing room because you then put yourself out there, and if none of your mates back you, then suddenly you look like an idiot whereas it's dead easy to go home ring the agent and go guess what happened today and then they can leak it to the media which i think is what's happened because obviously he looks an even bigger fool now bowley Mm. for for going in that dress who's the the captain Uh, i don't know can say whoever it is that's an awkward situation for them isn't it because i guess they have an obligation to say something in that situation Mm. so it would be interesting if they did speak up so well as as we as everybody can tell by my tone, I give Chelsea absolutely no hope of uh, of doing anything tonight. Unfortunately, no, I, I, that 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 Brighton match, God, unbelievable. I also I have to say that Brighton are objectively just very good at football. I mm. think we've reached a point in the season where we should have, like, for example, I've just realised that we've got to play Brighton before the end of the season, and to me. That, along with Arsenal, looks like the biggest game of what's left in the Premier League. Probably in the last week of the season as well. So. Yeah, because it's not been rearranged yet, has it? No. No, so... As, as per Laqueta, by the way, is the club captain of Chelsea. Oh, so. of course. Of course. Okay. Excellent. Um, right. Some, some more... Okay, so before we get to the main event, Howard, uh, City have uh, announced that they've applied for planning permission for the extension uh, to the Etihad so that we can have more empty seats on match days. Uh, How do you feel about the extension? Worrying news. Looks like like the O's run out on the shakes board, so... Mm. Uh, We knew it was coming, but obviously, uh, yeah, looks pretty damn good. Uh, for those that don't know, yeah, so they've put they've put the proposal after the consultation, they've put it to the council now for approval, which is highly unlikely to be turned <laughs> down. That's uh, so yes, I think City Square will be covered. Uh, the North Stand, of course, one larger single upper tier, I think, is absolutely crucial. Uh, 
I do remember someone saying at the time this was built. I mean, this was built for the Commonwealth Games, of course, in two thousand two. It was not built to be expanded. Uh, those with knowledge of buildings and architects will know it's not easy to expand. So uh, you couldn't have just. I don't think it's possible to have one whole tier. Uh, so, but having one big upper one is a good start. There's a sky bar. There's a stadium roof walk experience. Uh, a museum, of course, much much needed. Uh, hotel and that sort of stuff. Workspaces. It looks looks brilliant. Uh, said to it might create two thousand plus jobs. Wonderful stuff. What's not to like is all I can say. So. Uh, I did. Re- I think the original consultation said they'll stagger it for minimal disruption. So I don't know when it's you know if it's approved, and it probably won't take long to get approved. To be honest, mm. I don't know when it will happen, but I guess it work will probably start next summer, like the summer of twenty four. But great stuff, really good stuff. Uh, I hope it just brings some more competitive pricing, like because I moved to the South Standard the third. South Stand, uh, the third tier of the South Stand when it opened because they put a raft of £300 tickets on sale. So I hope they do something like that as well, offer more cheap seats, um, mm. competitive pricing, that sort of thing when it comes around and give an opportunity for more people who struggle uh, to go to matches. So apart from that, yeah, what's not to like? I agree. I mean, and also just the amount of... It's just the, the the sheer piss boiling for one of a better phrase yeah. that's gonna come from it all is just it's it's a it's a day it's a day it's a moment in uh, I find myself in this weird spot where I just feel like anything that City do just really annoys the footballing world and it's just quite funny. Yeah. I just have board meetings to go, what should we do to boil some piss today? And we'll do that. Well but the you problem have to pi- is you have to pinch yourself how far I've come because I remember the Ipswich League Cup game that was abandoned because yep. it was raining after we yep. got an equaliser. Yep. Damn you, Marcus Stewart as well. <laughs> Still had a good. Uh, I went. I had to pick my ticket up that night from a porter cabin outside. It'd been raining for hours. By the time I got in the ground, I was wetter than if I'd been in the bath. To be honest, my seat was covered in water as well, and I was just disgusting mess and then it got called off and all the way home and it's like it took these owners and Gary Cook of all I think of all people to think you know what we should have a ticket office inside in Manchester what a brilliant idea that is we should cover things up from the weather I mean it's just like wow mind blown that we're just mild competency was you know uh was uh only started after 2008, it felt. But yeah, what? Yeah, when you look at the images and artist impressions can be deceptive. Uh, most buildings look good on art, artist impressions. Yeah, when you just think of where we've come. Yeah, it's easy with money. Yeah, when you're billionaires. But nevertheless, the investment... Not that easy, the though. investment in the... Commi- no, it doesn't matter if it's easy. It's the investment. It's a commitment to the cause, basically. Mm. I mean, we're 15 years in now, and then now... They're now planning the next phase of expansion. Yeah. Well, that tells you everything you need to know about our owners. So. Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our content, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, 
Go to 9320.com to sign up now, or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.